is back. They have a really good team um, when they're all healthy. And looking at them last night, I thought it was a team that definitely uh, could contend. Ben is back. Uh, I told you guys I never gave up on Ben. I just thought he had some mental things going on. And it seems like uh, he's fixed those things. Um, the last two games, I'm not looking at his stats. I'm looking at his body language and the way he's out there playing and he's going through his legs and all those things. Um, he's shooting his little right-handed hook shot. Uh, he's finding guys in the way, on the wings. Um, he's being very aggressive. He's uh, getting alley-oop dunks. He's playing basketball. And so that right away, uh, that makes them a formidable team. And then you have Kyrie back. So once they start gelling, um, yeah, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be hard to deal with. Yeah, I, I think you know, he seems to be playing with more aggressiveness and more confidence. Watching some of the highlights, you know, he did a great outlet pass to KD for a dunk. And then he had a nice uh, uh, one-handed dribble pass to KD on a back door that got him a layup. So, you know, he's starting to come into his own. The, the problem with the Nets right now, where they have a lot more than one problem, but, um, you know, some of their other players that are that need to pick it up for them to be a legitimate contender, like Joe Harris, who, you know, he's averaging eight points and three rebounds. Uh, hopefully he's feeling his way past this injury that he had because it was a serious one. So he needs to get better. Um, uh, Cam Thomas uh, is averaging eight and two. He needs to get a little better. And one of the things that really stood out, and a player that I like is Patty Mills. Patty Mills is like a fire fire plugger and, uh, and just a firecracker off the bench. He can make shots. He plays hard. He can defend. And right now, he's only averaging 11 minutes a game, uh, five points a game. So, you know, I think he needs to get back into that rotation to make something happen. And, of course, you know, Kyrie is back for now. It's just a matter of time until something else happens, and he's going to have some other reason that he's got to go take care of business at home, or somebody said something, or he tweeted something else. And come on, he's he's been Kyrie for so many years; he's not going to not be Kyrie anymore. So, out of all those, you know, the the uh, uh, you know the pickup of some of these guys to play a little better, maybe more minutes for Patty Mills. Kyrie is still the big question mark. So, you know, only time will tell. We're uh, what are we, one-eighth or something away uh, through the season? So a lot of season to go, um, a lot of things, you know, with some big teams, you know, struggling early. You're talking Golden State, um, uh, Lakers, obviously. You know, there, there could be coming after Christmas some big trade happening too, and, you know, maybe the Nets get involved with that. But, uh, you know, it's good to see Simmons playing better, but uh, they got a long way to go to be a contender. Paul, are they, tr are they trending forward? Haven't they won three in a row? Sure, yes. So that means they're trending forward, right? Right. Yes. So if they're moving forward, why would they need to make trades if it seems to be working now and they continue to jail? As they continue to jail and everybody gets familiar with, with each other, and they continue to play like they plan now. Isn't that a team that could contend as is? Uh, like I said, uh, I don't know if they'll make trades. They'll probably look at trades. But unless Patty Mills starts playing better, Joe starts playing good, you know, the, it, we'll, we'll, they'll be a, you know, six or seven seed. I don't think is they're Is it playing contender. better, Paul, or is it just that they maximize their opportunity? Because I just said they won three in a row. So you don't really need more points than eight from Patty Mills. It's timely points. You don't need more than eight from Cam Thomas. It's when you get your points. 
as long as they're involved offensively. That gives KD and Kyrie freedom. It's not necessarily them hitting a thousand points a game. It's just hitting the timely shots. And right now they're moving the ball. Everything's on the positive. They're moving upwards. And as long as they do that, they're going to continue to get better. How many games have they played with Kyrie and won? The last one, last night. So they're so one they won two, two without them, and then they won one with them. I'm just – I'm not – I don't, don't believe trust I, him. I don't. I don't trust them. I don't trust Kyrie. And he said uh, he so, doesn't trust Kyrie. But I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm. I'm trusting Kyrie. I'm not worried. I'm not looking at the negative. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at the man that's come back. He has okay. played sixty games, seven out of eleven years. So I'm not looking at the negative. I'm <laughs> sure in the locker room they're looking at how they can make the team better. Now that Kyrie is on the ship, it's about moving <laughs> forward. The team is not looking about if Kyrie leaves, if Kyrie doing that. It's how can Kyrie help us to be better as a team right now. And right now is all I'm going by. They're on an upward trend. So I'm going to continue that until I see otherwise. I'm going to go with the upward trend. That's great. He's an upward trend doesn't mean contender. And uh, uh, the, the best indicator for what your future is, is what you did in the past. And Kyrie has never been trustworthy in the past. And I will go by that. What you've done in the past. So the teams that never won a championship before in the past, so that means they can't win in the future. No, okay. that's not no, that's not what I said. No, because teams change, personnel change. I'm telling telling you what you do in your past is a good indicator of what's going to happen in the future. And Kyrie's past has not been great over the last four or five years. And actually, he's probably only played 30 games in the last two years, so. Yeah, I, 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 I get where both of you guys are coming from. But but I, I want to get back to Simmons because if he plays like this every night, that's certainly a, a elevation. Okay. 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 And that's all the team is looking at. Ricky, that's all the team is looking at. They're not looking at all of what's happened in the past. It's what, how do you move forward? If Ben can continue to play like he's playing right now and all the guys get on the upward trend like they are that they haven't had a lot of time to play together remember kd and kyrie haven't played 50 games probably together so right now they're back kyrie's back everything seems to be on the even keel and the guys are starting to buy in i watched them play they trust in each other they're making the extra pass and that's the stuff that i go by i don't go by yesterday last year none of that i go by how they played the last time i saw them play and that's how coaches look and then you make no, your adjustments moving forward. No. All right, Paul. That's not some people. Everybody's not, everybody's not negative, Paul. Everybody's not. Everybody, I, I mean, it's, I'm it's, realistic, it's not negative. Look at it. Go, go mean, ahead, I'm not. I'm not negative. I'm realistic. And if you think Kyrie's on board the ship now after one game, okay, so we'll, we'll talk. No, you can't. No, you go. You go by their past. So. You know, and, you go you know, by their past. I go by most today. people. Most people do. Well, I'm not especially most coaches. Especially coaches. Well, I, I'm wondering. You know, the, when you guys played in the league, it, it was a moment. Could have been a play or a game or something that told you, "Hey, man, I could play here with the best players in the world." Now, Simmons had demonstrated that he could do that. But he hadn't played at a high level in a long time until these last two games. 
Is this something that could spur him? Oh, yeah. This is how I used to do it. I just explained it. So I'll let Paul Carrick go ahead because I just explained that, what you just said. Sure. Absolutely. The guy hasn't played for two years. The guy sat out last year. He's been struggling this year. So, yeah, for sure. He's played at a high, high level. Hell, a couple of years ago, he, we were talking about him. People were talking about him as MVP of the league, you know, with his offense and with his defense, two-way player, all that stuff. Absolutely. And and could that happen? And could, he, could it click? For sure. Absolutely. I, I never said it couldn't. I don't think that puts them in contention, but, you know, whatever. Well, and, and you know what, and, and it's great that he's hitting this stride. It's going to be interesting because uh, they they play in Philly tomorrow. So <laughs> I wonder if he'll uh, be in the lineup tomorrow. It would be why? better if Harden was playing, but, wow, it's still going to be a good game. Why wouldn't why wouldn't and, he be in the lineup? And Embiid is Embiid is out, so this is a game they can go in and win tomorrow. Well, why wouldn't he be in the lineup? Yeah, I, that's I, right. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. So they play Philly tomorrow. They play Philly tomorrow night. Yeah. So so, so we looking at four in a row. So they so but you know he's going to be hearing it. No, I don't <laughs> think he cares, man. Those those Philly fans. Are- Ricky, you think he really cares? Absolutely. That's part of I don't why, think, the, that's why he struggled right with now, his confidence before. Before. Right he now, I'll say the way he's playing, uh, he's come out of his shell. I don't know what was going on with Ben mentally, but all I can go by is looking forward. I'm looking at him last night and the night before, he looks like a, a totally different guy. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know why he's going to all of a sudden backpedal. Um, I think that he'll be able to deal with the crowd. I think they'll play well tomorrow, and I think they'll come out and uh, KD and those guys will support him. I think they'll come out and get another win. Well, yeah, if, yeah he, I mean, there's a chance he could go in there and they can he could shut him up. Well, it, there's no no Embiid and no Harden, right? No Embiid, no Harden. So though, so if they should go in to blow him out, then I mean, and then show that they're on that rise and going to be contenders. They should blow him out tomorrow. Are <laughs> you fun? If they win by one, I could care less. It's still four in a row. Yeah, I'm uh, talking about contender, but whatever. We want we want to welcome everybody in, and we're already getting some uh, uh, comments. Uh, uh, Steve Schrader checks in and says uh, he likes the Nets, but the Nets bench is not that good. And uh, <clears throat> Andreas Spigos, Andreas, I hope I said that correctly. I think he's from Greece. I think he's in Greece. Hey, 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 Ricky, can I name one guy why these people keep talking about how that bench is not good and I just say they won three in a row? Yeah. They got they got a guy on the team shooting 57% from three that I haven't heard anybody mention yet, named Watanabe. They're a different team than they were a few weeks ago. Well, I- that's all I'm going by. They're on an upward trend. Like I said, the proof is in the pudding. They won three in a row. Hey, and, and, and actually, actually, they're one of the teams that they started two and six, and since that they've been six and three. So for sure, they're upward, trending. Upward trend. That's what it sounds sure. like to me. Sure, yeah. upward trend. In my mind, not contender yet. Uh, Andreas is in the Big Apple, NYC, and uh, he, Mo, he has a question for you. Why do you think Giannis is fake shooting after he had a bad game? <laughs> well, I mean, 
you know, the whole, the whole thing was, uh, you know, going out after a game and working on your game. It's been done before. It's been done for years. <clears throat> I, I don't believe in that. Um, you know, to go out after a game where you miss 11 free throws and, and to go out on a visitor's court, it carries a lot of different stuff. Um, and when I watched it, I watched the whole footage that they had. You know, after he threw the the the, uh, the ladder down, uh, he missed four in a row. One was an air ball. I mean, so you know, but uh, you know, you go out there on of on of on not your home court on a visitor's court, out on the court where people are working. That guy was actually tearing down uh, the cameras from the top of the the. Um, the basket. So they have cameras up there. So you got to go up there in that high ladder and take those cameras down before you lower the basket and take it off the court. Um, so to go out there then to me, doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, you're working on your game, whatever you want to say. Uh, but in that situation, it's not good timing. And, and the rules the, of the NBA actually are uh, visiting teams have to be allowed to be on the home court on the visitors, on their court, on that court, an hour and a half before game time. That's what the rule is. And there is no rule for after the game. So that's kind of been a gentleman kind of thing that goes on. Um, that guy was doing his job, uh, you know, and you think it's no big deal. You're going to let Giannis uh, shoot, you know, 20 minutes of free throws. Well, guess what? Uh, that guy's probably trying to get home to his family, right? So he's probably trying to do his job to get home to his family. That's his job. Uh, then the way he threw the the the, the ladder he down, didn't throw it. Then, call the ladder fails. No, that. he pushed, he pushed it. the ladder and the ladder. Yeah, he pushed yeah, it. So push, I didn't. So whatever. It is not so throwing, okay. Paul. So okay. So he pushed the ladder down in an aggressive manner. It was not what I would like to see, and uh, you know, and actually, you t they're on their way. They've been on a road trip. So after a game, when you're in an NBA team. Everyone gets in the locker room. You got to do media. You got to ice. You got to shower. And then you got to wait for whoever's last. And in, in Dallas, it was always Dirk. And you have to wait for him before you can get on the bus to go get on the plane to fly home. So if someone like if someone goes out there and shoots for another 30 minutes, everyone else has to wait another 30 minutes to get on that plane to take off to go home because they're on their way home. And actually, Milwaukee doesn't play another game for four days. So you have four days to work on your free throws. So all that I don't think was appropriate to do. I'm a Bucks fan. I'm a former Buck. But also um, what um, uh, Montrell uh, did was was a joke too. It's like I was wondering the, if you're gonna mention that. Yeah, what was no. he great to do, Paul? What was no. Montrez great to do? Nothing. He was he was trying no, to be. No, but a wasn't bull. he wasn't he trying to get shots up on his home court? Yes. So so Two on different his things. home court. No, no, yes. no. But listen, let me let me say this though. Home court or not home court? I heard you first say it's happened before because I know Kobe used to do it a lot. But here's the problem I have with everybody blaming Giannis. I didn't like the latter part, but. Wasn't Montrez out there to get shots? So if yeah, Montrez is getting no, my well, listen, let me finish. So if Montrez is out there to get shots, how was the guy that's working on the clock ready to go home? Because Montrez was because Montrez other, was also. Let me let me. Can I answer you? But but can wasn't Montrez ready to get up shots? Can I that's answer what I asked you. you? Can I answer you? Yes, it was the other basket. He had already done that basket. It's the other one. That's why. So, but what did he grab? The he grabbed the ball out of the rim down there, right? That had nothing to do with Montrez Harrell. And you said it's happened before. 
I didn't like the latter shot, but the man has gone eight for 26 in the last two games. He is a two-time MVP. If he chooses to go out and shoot free throws, everything, that's okay. And the reason I say nobody was going to go home, there were still fans in the arena. Montrez walks. Oh, hold on, Paul. I'm talking to the fans now. Hold on. Montrez walks all the way down to the other end, and then he has a confrontation with Giannis's brother, Thanasis. So Giannis, so was really, was Montrez out there to get a workout or was Montrez out there to be the bully Montrez? I don't see how Giannis was hurting anyone when he went eight for 26 in his last two games. The man has been an MVP. If he wants to shoot free throws, and he was only shooting 10 free throws, according to him, he was already up to number seven. If he shot the last four, that's okay. The man was going home. It really wasn't that big a deal. It really wasn't that big a deal. Hey, I will tell you this. If I'm flying, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the bus wait on Giannis. <laughs> of, co- of course they will. Of course, of course they will. We waited for Dirk. Doesn't mean everybody was happy about it. Yeah, so yeah. what? But uh, but that's, first of, first of all, the pro, he, uh, Giannis was shooting free throws at the other basket, by the way. He was at the other basket. And that's when Harold come out. And when he shot a free throw, he snatched the ball and said, get off our court, blah, blah, blah. That's BS, bullshit. Come on, man. This is the NBA, right? So then he went down and started shooting. So Giannis went into the locker room, got his own two basketballs, and that's when his brother came out and tried to help him, whatever. But, you know, that's my thought. To practice free throws after a game you suck shooting free throws, when you're going to go home anyway, makes no sense to me. It's a personal choice, Paul. No, it makes no sense to me. Well, Paul, wait, wait, wait. Let me say this. You're not the one shooting. It's Giannis. Stop acting like you're the one. You cannot tell someone else (laughs) how they feel. He I didn't say I didn't he say went, I did. Wait, Paul, I didn't say think. I could. What are you the talking about? I'm play, giving he, my opinion. Wait, hold on, Paul. My opinion. Okay, I heard my your opinion. opinion. Now hold on. Huh? The man went and play, shot free throws. This is not preschool. If he felt he needed to work on his free throws, that's okay. It's been done before. Steph's done it before on the road. Kobe's done it before on the road. There are many players that have done it before. The biggest issue, as people keep ignoring, is this Montrez Harrell again. Montrez is lucky to be back in the league right now. Next year, he'll be messing with someone else, but it'll be for the Shanghai Sharks. There's no way Montrez Harrell should be out there getting into it with a two-time superstar or a two-time MVP over something that was really not his business. So can I say something? Am I allowed to say something? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Mark. Okay, right. I agree with that, totally. However, I don't agree with going out and shooting free throws after a game is bullshit. I think that's, I think that is showmanship. Look how hard I'm working. You know, I'm just so dedicated when really it doesn't matter to shoot after the game or you could shoot for 20 hours tomorrow when you get home. That's my opinion. Okay. Hey, let's, let's, let's move on because – we were talking about Brooklyn's uh, slow start, uh, and they're trending out there now at eight and nine uh, on the year, uh, currently in the ninth spot. But but man, they are hardly the only team off to a slow start. I think one of the most uh, surprising teams has been Miami, who was only seven and ten, 
three and seven in their last 10 games. What did you guys see going on down in uh, South Beach? <laughs> For me, it's just other teams have gotten better. Um, Miami is a good team. Uh, I still don't believe in them with Bam out of bio as a center. Uh, Deadman comes in and plays as a backup, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Um, but I just don't think they have enough weapons. If you look at their offense, I've never believed in them with Jimmy Butler as their best player. I just don't think uh, – I think he's a very good player. I've never thought he was a superstar. I just don't think he's the guy that can lead a team as a first option to a championship. And you just have to look at uh, also on the other side, a lot of the teams have gotten better. So it's just going to be rough. The Eastern Conference is not easy. Uh, you have a lot of improvement from teams like Cleveland, uh, Toronto. Or, I mean, it's several. You can go on and on. Uh, teams have gotten better. Even Charlotte, they struggle, but they still, you know, give you a good game on, on any given night. So it's just other teams are pretty much caught up to them. They might have to make a, a move for a big and another shooter. Yeah, we talked uh, earlier before the season started about how we like their roster. However, we both thought that their size is going to hurt them. Because like you said, Bam at the at a power position, that's not his position. And people out there got to understand that, you know, you think it's just one spot, but it affects everybody down the road, you know, that everybody has to move over a spot. And, uh, you, you know, ba basketball, as much as people say, um, you know, skill and shooting threes and all everything, that's true. But it's also a physical game, especially around the basket, especially rebounding and especially protecting the rim. And, you know, that, that wears on you. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm wondering, I'll ask you this, Derek, do you think Spolster's in, in trouble this year? I mean, he's been, he's been solid there for so many years, but, and he and Riley obviously are very, very close, but I mean, they're, 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 what are they? They're six and seven in the 10 spot. Oh, that's a tough seven, spot. Seven, seven and 10, seven and 10. Yeah. Seven and ten. No, he's yeah. not. In any, no, they'll give him a chance to right the ship um, because of all the things he's done. But I don't see them um, doing a whole lot better as the season continues. I, I know they'll be over 500, but uh, even from the beginning, I don't think any of us had Miami as one of the teams that we saw contending uh, for the title. I just think they they're just not good enough. I don't think. And, and you know enough. what? I I I kind of with you on that because when I look at their roster. You know, Kyle Lowry's there now, the start, the starting point guard. And Kyle has got a lot of miles on him, and as does Jimmy, really. This is Jimmy's 11th season, and, and, <laughs> and man, he's, he's 33 years old and, and has played a lot of basketball. But I look at a guy like Struess and, and uh, Martin, and, you know, they've got guys who were not even drafted playing big roles on their on their team. Uh, Duncan Robinson is uh, getting minutes again. Uh, Ricky, you know what hurts them, though? Their pace of play. Because the guy that they love, a uh, guy that was their point guard before he got injured um, is tearing it up in Chicago. A guy named Goran Dragic. Yeah. So they lost that pace. So now you got guys, a lot of guys that are catching shoot guys. Uh, Duncan Robinson, all these guys. So when you don't have a lot of pace, that means you're playing in a half-court game. And guys are, are getting up on them and, you know, making them dribble off the three-point line. So they, they need a little more offense. And, I'm never, you know, I like Kyle Lowry, but also don't believe that you look at the combination of him and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo compared to some of these other threesomes. I just think they're going to come up short. They just don't have the weapons. 
No. Yeah, I mean, Lowry is struggling this year, and um, uh, Dragic was a, is a lot better player than people think. You know, he, he's just – he can make threes, he's tough, he can get to the basket, and he's showing that in Chicago this year. So that combination really hurts them too. Losing him and Lowry struggling for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey, we got a, a young man that's joining us. Oh, <laughs> hey, Matt, unmute yourself. Hey, guys, how you doing? What's up, Matt? How you doing, Matt? Hey, welcome to We Got Next with Derek Gervin and Paul Mokeski. Matt, I'm Ricky Hampton. And uh, I'm going to give Big Mo the honors of introducing you to uh, our audience. Well, uh, for everybody out there, um, uh, Matt Babcock has been a, a NBA scout and a talent scout for uh, years and years and years. And, uh, you know, I've known his father, uh, Dave Babcock, Babcock, an old Milwaukee buck. And, um, you know, both his uncles have been GMs, uh, Pete and Rob, in, in the NBA. So uh, Matt is one of the most knowledgeable uh, people when it comes to NBA talent. And uh, actually, uh, Matt, I, I kind of rekindled with you a little bit because I saw your little uh, thing on uh, the new docuseries you're coming up with uh, Chasing the Game. And uh, I always think it's interesting when someone like you lets someone follow them and see, let other outside people see what really goes on. Because a lot of people don't know what goes on in scouting, don't know what goes on in an NBA locker room or front office or draft room. I got the opportunity to be in the Mavericks one for a few years. And uh, I, I played in the NBA for 12 years and been coaching for a lot. And some of the stuff that was done in the draft room, I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so we're really excited to have you on and, and get your input on a lot of different things. No, I think, thanks a lot for having me, and I appreciate the nice words. I mean, coming coming from you, you know, an NBA vet and, and somebody that's been around it, it really means a lot. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. I want to thank you for coming on. Um, I still, every now and then, I talk to Pete. Uh, we do Facebook, so I call him Mr. Babcock, of course. <laughs> so thank you for coming and taking time to come on the show. No, th thank you. Hey, hey, Dean, why don't you start us off with the uh, rounds of questions, for, uh, Matt? Well, I just want him to kind of tell uh, – let up the people know uh, what your job entails as far as the NBA, what you're currently doing. Yeah, sure. I, mean, I, I do have my hands in quite a few things. The The main gig is I'm a senior NBA draft analyst for basketballnews.com. Uh, essentially, I, I operate like an NBA scout, uh, but we, we create media out of it. I, I my, uh, my rankings, my mock draft, my big board are, are public. Um, you know, I give a lot of quotes, interviews, uh, pretty much just going around, uh, you know, traveling like an NBA scout, watching these guys, doing a lot of research, watching a lot of film, uh, gathering intel, ju just like an NBA scout would or an NBA front office executive. And um, like Paul said, I, you know, the only difference is, uh, you know, we're peeling back the curtain, showing the world, you know. And so I, I grew up in basketball um, and, and it was fortunate to, to learn how everything worked by just, you know, shadowing my dad and my uncles and being a fly on the wall in war rooms and scouting calls. Uh, and so I, I, I've been trained to, to operate that way and uh, just, you know, kind of fell into this naturally of, of just, you know, falling into the media uh, and operating this way where I, I didn't necessarily have to, to work for a team uh, to do what I wanted to do. And, and my wife uh, wanted to live in Denver, Colorado, where she's from. And that, that was a big part of it. You know, uh, I, I grew up uh, family working in basketball. We, we all moved a lot. You know, you, you work up the coaching ladder, or the, the, you know, for my dad, the scouting ladder after he was a college coach. And 
um, you know, kind of formulated this plan of, of operating like my dad, but doing it, doing it in the media so I can have a little bit more control uh, of my life. Nice. Can you talk about a little bit about that, Matt? Because I, uh, I think there was a movie that came out about a year ago about, um, about uh, I can't remember, uh, the, uh, a scout that found a player over in Lithuania. Oh, yeah, where... Hustle. Adam Sandler's movie, Hustle. Yeah, yeah no, it's yeah. funny. Um, yeah, so you, you mentioned the docuseries that we're working on. So I started working for Basketball News, uh, and the CEO of Basketball News is a guy named Scott Hill, and a really interesting guy. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's done some kind of job here and there his whole career, and, and one, one of his jobs was working, I believe, for Cinemax in production. And as he got to know me and, and kind of saw how I operated, you know, going to tournaments and, you know, networking with everybody and advising people behind the scenes, he said, hey, your, your life is a show. And I, I said, get out of here. I'm not I'm not a reality TV guy. I'm a basketball guy. Right. And so he, he kept walking through it more and more. And he said, you know, this is Anthony Bourdain meets Hard Knocks. And then since since we talked about that initial idea, they uh, they came out that the movie you're talking about hustle. And now everybody that we talked to in production saying, hey, this is this is the real life uh, version of hustle. You're, you're you know traveling around your way from home, trying to find these guys. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I watched that movie. I enjoyed it. And I, uh, I related a lot. Yeah. A lot of people ask me about that. And, you know, I said to me, a lot of it is true. Uh, some of it isn't like, you know, most, as far as NBA teams are concerned, most NBA teams have scouts, you know, they're, there's scout that does Europe and there's scout that does Asia and there's, you know, but he was flying all the different countries um, but looking for that talent, and um, uh, I've known some scouts all my life that have done that uh, for their for their lives, and they would tell me stories of how they they oh, took eight I connections and and made it to their wherever they were, and uh, the guy they show up at the gym, and the guy doesn't even play the game, and, you know, you know, and he go he goes down to the coach says, "Aren't you going to play so and so?" and they're like, no, he will not play tonight. <laughs> He's like so <laughs> frustrated. Yeah, if you so, do it long uh, enough, it's going to happen here and there. It's happening. Yeah. That's for sure. What is the what is one of the most interesting places you've been to look for talent and uh, and possibly found talent? Um, you know, one, one place, foreign country, I really like going to is uh, is Serbia. I mean, Be- Belgrade is such a hotbed for basketball, and uh, you know, there, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot, a lot of big guys that are that are extremely skilled. I mean, they. They are very. They've, they've been very advanced for a long time as far as putting the work in and skill development, and they just happen to have a lot of a lot of big people there. So the combination of that and they love the sport. I mean, basketball is is uh is so popular there, and they're very passionate in Belgrade specifically. There's two pro teams. There's Partizan and Red Star, and you're one or the other. It's like Red Sox Yankees, and so I, I just I really really like going to Serbia. And, and I worked as an agent uh, before I was a scout and. Uh, I represent a lot of players in Serbia, so I'd go scouting, you know, from an agent's, uh, you know, uh, angle and uh, represent a lot of guys there and just spend a lot of time and really just love how passionate they are. I feel like I relate with them because they they love the game I like like I do and like being in the gym and, and working on working on their craft. Yeah, I tell I've, I've been to some some games overseas and I tell people it's like college basketball meets soccer meets. Uh, well, a WWF wrestling match. <laughs> right. Sometimes the fans over there are crazy. No, they're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Got to have your have your head on a swivel when you're when you're going to a game in, in Serbia. <laughs> hey, Derek, you played several years overseas. All over, <laughs> at besides, least ten. Besides yeah. the uh, NBA, have, have you seen the growth of the the, the development of the player? 
Uh, I, I think I don't, I don't think I've seen the growth of the development. I think it's more uh, with the social media now. It's more visible. Uh, it was some really good players when I played over there. I played in Spain, uh, Italy. They were really, really good players that were NBA guys back then. Uh, they some of them just were being treated so nice at home, like royalty, that they didn't they didn't want to make the you know the trip abroad. Uh, they were being rewarded enough to stay there. But they were great players. Um, but never did I think I would see the influx of um, great players that we have coming in now. Um, even if you look at our last four MVPs, it's been two guys, but they're both foreigners. So I've seen influx. Uh, it's been great. Uh, the game, we, they caught up to the game, Ricky. They caught up to it. And I'm going to tell you how much they caught up to it. Um, our next Olympics is 2024. I'm already nervous. I'm being <laughs> honest. Uh, I'm telling you. Because two years from now, there might be another big man playing uh, by the name of Victor Wimbenyama. So <laughs> I'm just thinking when you got guys like that, um, they've caught up to it. So it's, it's a great thing to see. It makes the league much more competitive. And I'm happy to see that. Hey, Matt, have you had to see a chance to see uh, the unicorn? Yeah, no, I have. So I uh, the, his team, uh, his team France came out to Las Vegas a little while back to play the G League Ignite. Uh, and I, I was at both of those games, and I, I've known about Victor uh, since he was about 15. His uh, his agent was a partner of mine uh, when I was an agent, so he was talking about the, about him for years. And um, but yeah, watching him play, I mean, he he truly is a unicorn. I mean, he's seven foot four. He's got an eight foot wingspan, and this guy is doing stuff off the dribble. And I mean, he's uh, other than needing to add some physical strength. I mean, he he does everything you can possibly ask ask of a young young prospect, Man. especially a guy that that big. Matt, have you ever, uh, you know, I'm looking at guys like Porzingis and these type guys with the body frame, but isn't it amazing today in 2022 to see a 7'4 guy? He's not the one setting the screen on the wing on the pick and roll. He's the one being screened right. for, man. I just think right. that's, that, that's no, just amazing. That's, it's unbelievable. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me think back, you know, guys like before my time, if they would have grown up in this era, you know, how different would the games be? You know, think about like Kareem or Ralph Sampson, Ralph Sampson guys like that, yeah, you know. There you go. Um, yeah. And then I remember my uncle's, like my uncle Rob, I remember him going to Europe and watching Sabonis before he got in Hurts. Oh, he, he speaks of him like, like this guy was one of the best players of all time. Hey, sir. I don't even know look, it. Look at my – I'm going to yeah. tell you how, why you're on this subject. When I, I, first, I don't want to take credit for that. Well, it wasn't my well, evaluation. But, well, my first uh, job overseas was Spain, okay? Mm -hmm. So the first year I went to Spain in 1987. So my coach takes me out to eat. We go out to eat dinner. Our conversation is about who's the best player at that time. Is it Arvidas, Arvidas Sabonis or is it Akeem Olajuwon? Mm -hmm. So I, don't, I shouldn't have to say much more. If I'm comparing right. those two, that should tell you how great he was. Sure. Well, I played against them both. I played against Akeem, and then uh, I played in France for six months. And uh, it was before Sabonis was hurt, and we played in a friendly game. And uh, I don't like facing either of them, but Sabonis just wasn't any 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 below him for sure. Wow, that's that's saying a lot. That's something. Hey, was he healthy then? Because when he by the time he came to the states, he was. Uh, yeah. Ricky, yeah, he was, 18, 19, 20, 18, 19, 20. You're talking about an uh, absolute phenom. He could do it all. Uh, more uh, versatile Bill Walton. You know, Bill could do it all. Pass, yeah. rebound, he could do it all. But Sabonis was more fluid in his movement. So, I mean, talking about a complete, absolute superstar. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, Matt. I think when you look at, like, a Ralph Sampson, maybe a Kareem, and, 
you know, it's not in that category, but I coached Sean Bradley in Dallas and, and he could dribble and he could pass and he could shoot threes. He just wasn't allowed to, but mm. now the game, I, I was at one of those games too here in Vegas and you know, the kid can, can handle it. Uh, he handles himself. Well, the one thing that really stood out to me was um, his eight foot arm span. So he can block shots from behind at the top of the backboard right. um, and his shot blocking, his timing on his shot blocks and how quick he jumps and he doesn't foul. Uh, but all that, I, I was like, okay, whatever. And then I was kind of leaving a little early and I turned around uh, on the court and he shot a fadeaway jumper in the deep corner, nothing but net. And I did a double take. I thought, okay. <laughs> okay. I believe it. Paul, didn't he go, Paul, didn't he like fade sense. out of bounds? Yes. Didn't he like fade out of bounds to the side, like sideline, uh, baseline He faded out of bounds right where I was standing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh shoot. Yeah. And, and then I saw him stand next to uh, Rudy Gobert at the Utah, uh, uh, at the Minnesota game that yeah, night. Like, yeah. and, and I was like, Right. Damn, he's, oh, he's, he's legit. huge. He's huge. <laughs> right. Yeah, hey, no, hey, it's, it's I've been watching film on him too. And uh, since those ahead, games, man. he's been taking some even taking and making even crazier shots, uh, threes off one foot. I mean, shoot him like it's like a floater. And uh, again, I mean, this guy is seven foot four, the eight foot wingspan doing these things at 18 man. years old. It's it's unbelievable. Matt, why are you on that subject about the big man? I want to transition a little bit. I want you to tell me, um, there's no wrong answers. What do you yep. think about the Victor, I mean, the um, the situation with James Wiseman right now with the as far as the Warriors? Yeah, I mean he's had he's had he's had a rough go. Obviously, I mean the, the Memphis missing this whole, you know, pretty much this whole college season, his freshman year, threw him off and then getting hurt. Um, you know, and now he's on, on a team that's just so deep. They don't, they don't need him. And, uh, it's, it's, so it's interesting from a developmental standpoint, you know, you've got a guy like him that, you know, goes to a great team or, or a young guy that goes to a team like the Thunder, like, like Josh Giddy. I mean, they, last year they just like threw him out there and, and Josh is a great player, but he's working through some things because they're playing their young guys. And, um, you know, I, I think that's part of what's kind of slowing him down. Uh, good thing is he's got time. He, he's a young guy. I mean, it's only his second year, and he came out after his freshman season. He just needs time. Do you know him at all, Matt? Have you I, talked? I, to I don't him? know him personally. Yeah. I've, I've seen him play in person many times since since he was in high school. Um, and I mean, I, I really, I've always really liked his talent. He's got a high high skill level. He, he's big and he's mobile. Uh, he's not he's not the toughest guy, which I think is part of the problem right now. And you guys know, I mean, when you're not when you're not one of the top dogs, you you, you don't have that that long of a leash and. You have to have mental toughness. You have to be able to kind of deal with deal some some crap, and um, you know he just needs time and, and you know time to develop, time to develop confidence. Um, once he gets that, though, I, I mean, I think he'll be a very good starting center in the Matt, NBA. Matt, what's, Paul, and I. Um, I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, what's his uh, report on his uh, uh, work ethic? That's to me, that's huge. Uh, if I'm looking at a player, especially then his is does he have the work ethic to keep at it? I mean, some guys you know, over to, they'll just take the money and, and be what they can be and make whatever they can. But if he, if, if someone with his talent has the work ethic, you know, that's a big thing for me. You know, I, I haven't necessarily heard that the work ethic is the problem. Um, mental toughness, maybe a little bit, you know, he's a very intelligent kid. Uh, I, I don't think he's got the dog in him. You know, he's not naturally like a, a killer instinct alpha dog type. And so that, that I think, you know, I don't necessarily want to call the kids soft, but he's probably a little bit more in that direction than than being a, a tough, a tough bulldog type. Um, and 
you know, again, young guy, I think it's something that he can work on and develop and, you know, going, going down the G league probably is a good thing for him to get him some, give him some minutes and let him be the guy, build his confidence and, and grow from there. Can that yeah, be right. a steal? Guys, can that be a steal? That, that, bulldog, toughness. that toughness. Okay. Um, this is, look, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, Matt, Paul and I have been talking about this and, this is why I don't think the G League is good for Wiseman. I think the G League is better for wing players. You can work on your craft, your skills, you know, your ball handling, all that, your separation and all those things. I think for the, the um, in the G League, Wiseman's case, I don't think you can mirror uh, Giannis or Joel Embiid or Jokic, those type of guys in the G League. And I think he needs to learn in the, in the heat of battle. They don't have a rim protector. So being around Kevon Looney and Draymond can only help him if he's willing to take the help. There's no way I could see him improving in the G League when he's playing against big guys that realistically are going to be nothing like what he's dealing with in the, in the real league. And the reason I say that is he's not the reason they're losing. And that's why I'm getting upset. It's like they're trying to uh, push the blame onto the young guys now. He's the only rim protector. If you look at his stats in his 13 minutes a game, he has very good stats. Give the man the time, the chance, let him learn, take his lumps, and let him learn on the fly. That's the only way they have a chance of contending this as they are currently constructed. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your points. I guess let me let me backtrack a touch. I mean, I do think there's a there's pros and cons with, with the decision there. And, and to me, if they've decided, okay, this guy is not going to play major minutes for their team for whatever reasons, uh, and not that I agree with that. I mean, I do think he's a guy that has enough talent, and you took him high enough in the draft. You should be invested in him and, and kind of take some of the lumps along the way as long as it's not hurting your team too much. But if they've decided, hey, this guy's probably going to be right on the bench, the kid needs some reps. I mean, like I said, he, he missed – Missed his freshman year in college. He missed most, you know, his rookie year. Uh, he needs to play. I mean, I, I just I have a hard time, you know, uh, wrapping my head around the idea of a guy that is going to develop properly if he's not actually playing five on five. I mean, you can only do so much in an individual workout in the weight room, and so it's a it's a pros and cons deal for sure. And I mean, yeah, I, Matt, I think it's it, it would be I easy for all of us to have a strong opinion one way or another. But we don't have all the details I, as far as what's going on. I got a question for you. Quick question, Matt, for you. Can yeah. you name can you name one big in the G League? Oh, uh, I don't follow the G League. Oh, at okay, all. well, that's my point. So, no, no, you're right. You're right. But, but that's not going that's not gonna yeah. help him get better when you're playing against guys that aren't even near the level of what he's gonna be dealing with in the NBA. You took him that high, you either play him or you trade him. It's fair, it's fair. Oh, he's so young. I, I don't think they are at that point uh yet. Uh, I want to get you in on this, uh, Mo. Well, I have a totally different opinion because I was in the G League coaching for eight years and had many NBA players, bigs and smalls. Um, you know, it's true. He's not going to play against Giannis or any of those guys in the G League. However, uh, he has seven DNPs this year where he didn't play one minute. And he, he played nine minutes in a game, 17 to 10. He's played in three games. So it, it, whether he should be playing or not, he's not going to play and he's not playing. So the next best option is to get some minutes, whether you're a big or a small. And, uh, you know, you go, I go to G League games. They're fast paced. 
They're up and down. They have talent. There are guys that are going to be in the NBA. Guys have been in the NBA. And, you know, he's not learning how to guard a Giannis or anything, but he is learning how to set pick and rolls and roll to the basket and get spacing and how to switch on pick and rolls against faster, quicker guys. And he's learning all that stuff that you can't learn. And we all know uh, in the NBA, there is no there is no practice time anymore. Once the season starts, you don't practice. There's no live, really. So, you know, to go down there, and I hate to say down there because it's not. He's, he's going to, to uh, Santa Cruz. It's on the beach. <laughs> they play in a nice gym. They have access. He travels. and he, uh, I don't know if he's playing in Vegas or wherever in Dallas. And he'll get to be on the floor. I mean, his first game, he had he played 26 minutes, was 7 for 12, uh, had 11 rebounds. And that gets his confidence up, too. So, you know, I, I would re- – no one's going to learn not playing – and uh, what, for whatever reason, so any playing time is good playing time. But, but then you think you think they can find fifteen minutes or so a game? Is that what he's already think? was averaging thirteen minutes? Yes, I don't yeah, know but, too many people that. Hold on, Paul. He didn't ask you. He asked me a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. I don't know. I don't know too many people that play thirteen minutes that go to the G League. Is all I'm saying. And I'm glad what Paul said about the screens and all that. See, here's the biggest problem I had with it. You set no screens. We're talking about reality. Santa Cruz setting screens, they're not going to be the same type screens they will be when you're playing with Steph and Clay because they don't have Steph and Clay in Santa Cruz. So it's really not mirroring exactly what he'll be doing in Golden State. It's still not the exact same play. And he needs to be with those guys, with the Moody's, the Kamingas, the Stephs. Those are the people he needs to be around, the Eagle Dollars. The Draymonds, that's how he's get better. It gets better. He's not going to be able to do that around those other guys. There's not much they could teach him. He needs to be around the big guys that have already been winners, and they know what it takes. First, first of all, his minutes, that's not a realistic. He, does, he, played, he played zero minutes in seven games, nine minutes in one game, 17 in one and 10 in the other. That's, that's what got his average because he's only played three. So he, he's not playing hardly at all. And in my opinion, playing is playing on the floor in real action. The G League is not some uh, crappy league. There's real players, real talent. And uh, playing time on the floor is uh, valuable, especially to a big guy. Well, we'll see. We'll 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 see what happens. Are, are they winning? Are they hey, winning right, right now? now? <laughs> they could use somebody tonight. Are they are they winning? Are they winning right now? No, no, and okay, okay. No, they, they, they don't have real protection. And literally, right now, they're not winning because New Orleans is leading seventy-four to fifty-one in the. Uh, yeah. No rebound and no rim protection. He's in Santa Cruz. Uh, actually, it's New Orleans ninety-five sixty-three right now. So no, they may no be, surprise. They, they, make, they, they may be making a call to us. Oh, hey, Ricky, is that is that Wiseman's fault? <laughs> ninety-five to sixty-three. Is that yeah, Wiseman's fault? They have not no real protection. Not tonight. Hey, 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 Matt. Um, I always hear guys when they talk about the European players uh, coming over about how fundamentally sound they are, especially compared to um, the uh, American uh, guys. Did, did you notice that? And if so, why do you think that's the case? Well, I mean, I think it depends on, on the player and, and where they're coming from. I mean, it, you know, from country to country, there there's different levels of, of coaching and, uh, and and popularity for that matter. I mean, I, I talked about Serbia before. 
I, I think Serbia is very far ahead as far as uh, the, the amount of time and effort they put in, in skill development. I mean, it's, you know, it's sort of a, uh, known thing that if you get a Serbian coach, you know, in whatever country, a lot of the Serbian coaches will 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 move to other countries, pro leagues. Uh, that you're you're gonna be working hard. You're, you're gonna be doing two days, you know, training camp. I mean, they're getting after it. And so, um, I'm just using Serbia as an example. But I think I think uh, Spain uh, does a really great job. Italy, France, uh, Germany. You know, level of basketball is really great. Australia has come around. Uh, but then you you know you've got you know countries that don't have quite as, as many resources. I mean, it, it, I talked to a lot of my friends that have, uh, um, you know, backgrounds that coming from Africa and, you know, a lot of these countries are really poor and there's a lot of great athletes that love basketball, but they aren't getting the, the you know, proper level of coaching. And I know NBA Africa is, you know, making a huge effort to improve those things. And I, I personally would, would like to get involved in, in, in doing that as well. I'm not currently at the moment, uh, but just to give you a taste. I mean, it, there's, there's a wide range, I, I think of, of levels uh, outside of the United States. I think Dale Ellis is over there as we speak. That's great. Well, he, he can shoot it. <laughs> okay, we lost we lost Snow. He just texted his computer. His battery, yeah. His, <laughs> his Matt, battery. Matt, what's your um are there any teams right now uh that you that have surprised you that you think could be there for the long haul? Um the reason I ask that, because I'm big. Uh you heard Ricky mention the Pelicans. A lot of people are sleeping on the Sacramento Kings. Uh, that's my surprise team right now that I think will be able to contend all season. Are there any teams that are surprising you that you think could be there at the end? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I do think there's there's quite a bit of parity uh, in, in the NBA, generally speaking. And, and to be completely honest with you, the last last uh, couple of weeks, I've been so hyper focused on college basketball, trying to get ready for the draft. I've <laughs> kind of lost uh, lost my sights on the NBA a, a touch. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, from, from my, you know, my, my viewpoint, I mean, it does seem like there, there's a number of teams that can make a run, you know, if, if everybody stays healthy and whatnot. And, uh, and I'll admit I'm, I'm biased. My dad's still with the Milwaukee Bucks. And so I'm, I'm rooting for, for Giannis and, and the Bucks. You and Paul, I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, um, hey, D, I'm telling you, I am with you on, uh, Sacramento. They have firepower, man. They are uh, deep, uh, Ricky. Uh, uh. The point guard, uh, his name's escaped. The Aaron Fox. Yes. I mean, he is so doggone fast. Oh, so and fast. Explosive. And they got shooters surrounding them. And they are nine and six. My beloved Pistons gave them everything they could handle last night, but just didn't have enough firepower. Six uh, in a row, Ricky. At the at the end of the game. They are that's a good take there, D. They are six six wins, six wins in a row. And I don't see it stopping. Um uh, Sabonis has been getting double doubles. Uh, they got a lot of players. If you look at it, they got a nucleus of veterans and young guys. Uh, even the kid from Baylor, uh, Davion Mitchell, another a backup point guard. They've got a squad. I mean, they're 10, 11 deep. And I think yeah. they're going to uh, cause a lot of problems as we go down, as the season continues to progress. Hey, we just got a few minutes left when we got Big Mo back. Hey, hey Matt, uh, who looks good to you on the American side? Uh, who could we look for as a potential top five draft picks uh, from America, and 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 then give us your international uh, list? Sure. Well, I mean, for Vic, Victor's the number one guy. I think everybody would, would would say that at this point, and and he's coming from France. As, as far as Americans go, it's actually two uh, two guys that the next next year <laughs> aren't uh, in college. Is uh, Scoot Henderson from the G League Ignite, who I think is an absolute stud. <laughs> yeah, uh, sort sure. of reminds me of. 
maybe like a Derrick Rose in his prime. Yeah. I mean, he's he's coming at you north south. He's an alpha dog. Um, you know, his outside shooting is is coming around. I mean, the guy is a total worker. Uh, he's big, strong, physical guard. I mean, he's got these big Kawhi Leonard type hands. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about Scoot. And then the third guy is uh, a Men Thompson, an overtime elite. He's he's a, he's, a, he's also got a twin brother, Asar, who's not too far behind him. And this guy is like a six seven freak athlete, uh, Swiss Army knife. I mean, almost like a Scotty Pippen type. You know, if if it all clicks, uh, but do, does everything outside shooting still? You know, his swing skill. Uh, but those those three guys, I mean, very very high profile prospects. I have a, a question. I'm back. My battery went, but I'm back. What was that? <laughs> um, uh, number one, uh, and it's it, it, all the in the past years, uh, the NBA draft, the first round is so much so young. I mean, I'm, I'm counting in your projections, uh, 20 freshmen, three, uh, one, two sophomores, one senior, uh, four uh, minor league guys and and three foreign guys. And and what do you think about that and potential? And my second question is, um, with the uh, G League Ignite and the um, uh, Overtime Elite, uh, Kevin Ollie's deal in Atlanta, is that is that trend? I mean, you're talking about three of those players being in the top five picks in those programs. Do you think that's going to continue and more will more of those programs pop up in the future because they have been successful? I think – a few of the guys were drafted last year, Ignite guys and uh, the other ones, I think. Yeah, another way, Ignite had several guys drafted. And, yeah, I, I do think it's here to stay, at least that, that basic concept. And, and I think, uh, if I were to bet, I think the NBA is going to probably expand eventually and go more academy uh, for them. They're already doing it internationally. And, and I know, I, I, so I, I worked as a consultant for Overtime Elite, helping set up their uh, scouting department uh, before they had publicly launched. And, um, my big concern with them is initially, hey, this would be great for you know a surefire first round pick. But if you're going to sign 25, 30 guys, I mean, what 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 about the guys that aren't going to play in the NBA? And they've they've corrected that since then. So they, they've been able to do it where kids can maintain their their college eligibility. And so to me, you know, we've got all this money pumping through. Uh, and these kids are getting high level resources at a younger age. That's good for basketball. I mean, I, I think a lot that you know a lot of the high school kids are not getting trained properly. Uh, for lack of resources or, or having coaches that don't have the proper level of experience uh, compared to these these current options. So I think it's here to stay, and I, and I, I personally like it. Um, and I, I advise a number of players and parents uh, when, when they're going through different transitions. And everybody asks me this question, like, what, what do you think of these? And I think it's a great option. Uh, I think the biggest downfall is losing on sort of like the basic transition and, you know, maturing of being a normal kid, going to college and being around, you know, peers and you know, it, it just, it's been a pretty natural progression in, in, in our, in our lifestyles <laughs> for years and years and years. And so it, it is, it's different. I mean, this is more of going like the Hollywood, Hollywood route and being like a, a child star and it's a lot of pressure, you know? And so uh, I, I love the optionality, uh, but, you know, I think it's case by case with each guy, but it is here to stay. What about the, the, the youth and first round? I always, <laughs> I, and I, I think I said it out loud in the draft room one time. I mean, we're looking at 18, 19 year old kids. We're not going to be coaching them. We're going right. to be gone by the right. time they play. You right. know? No, it, it, it's definitely challenging. And I think, you know, I mean, teams naturally are gravitating towards the upside, I mean, hitting a home run. And so much work is put into, I think, more now than ever. Not, not that it's anything new, is gathering intel. And it seems like the trend is that teams are prioritizing 
making sure that they're getting guys that that are wired the right way, that have you know have talent, have upside, but you know are have the right mental makeup to you know grow and develop and have have a growth mindset. And so I spend a lot of time you know networking and, and talking with people, trying to figure out what these guys are all about. And uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you know these guys are you know just good students or they don't cause trouble. It's you know, what's, what's their, what's their mentality like? I mean, are, are these guys killers? You know, are, are they, are they going to do what it takes and be able to handle, you know, all, all these distractions and, and uh, you know, tough, tough situations of, of being a pro. I always thought that was overlooked when I went back years ago, um, because then you need to find out if Wiseman has dog in him or right. and all that. And, and that's a hard thing to find out because I, I don't think you can really teach someone to be a leader. I don't think you can teach like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say a name, but some big guy that's skinny to be tough. I don't right. think you can teach that. And you need to find that out if you're going to invest tens of millions of dollars in something. Sure. And a lot of times these guys are 19 years old. You know, I mean, they're, they're so far from being a finished product. And uh, it's, you know, and it's, I think it, it's such an inexact science, but I mean, people like myself and NBA scouts, we're just trying to hedge, hedge, hedge our bets, you know, do, do our best, but there's going to be a risk on some level or another if you're drafted a 19, 20 year old kid. I mean, so many guys, all, I think every team has psychologists now that that's, right. you know, that's, that's their, and to me, that's smart, you know, but yeah, a lot of, we, a lot of the psychiatrists, uh, they, they lead the, the uh, pre-draft interviews, the combine, a number, I've heard a number of teams do that. I mean, I have sons that are 30 plus years old and at 19, I didn't know what they were going to be. So I don't know how you can predict <laughs> I mean, I'm sure my dad would say the same about me. <laughs> Is it? Matt, is is there a downside to all this specialization? I don't know if that's even the proper word for it. For where kids are going into the system at such a young age, or is it, or is it should it be just for the elite athletes who have an opportunity? I, I think you kind of spoke to it a little bit. Right. What about you know you bringing in thirty guys when maybe two or three are the elite level? Yeah, I mean, I think I think of like the 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 cream of the crop. I mean, it's it's gonna be hard to screw those kids up for the most part. I mean, you know, you could you could nitpick the G League Ignite, uh, overtime elite, or, or even uh, I forget the name of it, but the Australian program where they have the kids come over. I think next next stars or something like that. And you know, you, you put elite you know elite talent in, in one of these programs, they're gonna be just fine. I mean, they're, they're buttoned up enough that they're not going there and screwing kids up. Uh, but for the guys that are more fringe NBA players. Um, I think they need to, you know, pick and choose a little bit more, um, you know, because th th there is some more risk. Like I said, overtime elite, them opening it up and, and setting up their contracts so the kids can maintain their college eligibility was a total game changer. I, I was so stressed out about that before they they had had that uh, the ability to do that, and um, you know, thank thank God they they did get it fixed because it, it will eliminate some potential issues for, for some young guys. Well, it's kind of like a prep school program that right. obviously has, you know three to five to six guys are going to get division one contracts or, or contracts, <laughs> uh, uh, scholarships, but you also have lower level kids that maybe they get a D one or a, right. a low D one or a D two. And as long as they understand what they're getting into, I think it could be positive. Yeah. And, and I mean, since they first started, you know, I visited there a number of times, still friends with a lot of people that work there and they're, they're dealing with the college coaches naturally a lot now. I mean, dealing with the, the college recruitment and uh, it's not what they, I think initially expected, but, it just, it just, to me, it made it a hundred times more valuable. Well, if you talk to him again, Kevin Ollie was my point guard in the CBA in Hartford. No, that's great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah KO is the man. I was out there uh, 
this summer I and mean, spend some time with him. What, what a class act. He, he's a good guy. I guess we only got a couple of more minutes uh, left here. And, and Matt, we really appreciate you uh, checking in. I want you to give everybody uh, information on how they can follow you and read you in uh, basketball news. But I want to go to D. Gerv and see if D. Gerv has anything for you before we get out of here. No, I think Matt's been fantastic. He's answered a lot of uh, questions that I had, and, and I think he's been great. I don't have any more questions. No, I just want to thank him for taking the time out. No, thank you. Appreciate that. Oh, how about you, Mo? No, I, ju I just uh, – I'm really looking forward to see that docuseries because I've you know, i been overseas a little bit and all that, and, and you know, shining the light on, on what you guys do and – the sacrifices you guys make of being away from home. I've been a coach for over 20 years and missing all this stuff. You know, people think it's, oh, you just fly around and get to sit front seat and watch games. <laughs> right. <laughs> my, my wife says that sometimes. No, And that's really where, where this idea came, came about. And, um, you know, we're, we're still in the final steps and sorting out the details. We're hoping to start filming in January. Uh, but in the meantime, we, we did, I did launch a new podcast, the, the Matt Babcock show, uh, which I'm doing through, uh, the title league podcast network. Uh, and really that, you know, this group came to me, uh, you know, they'd read some of my articles that were more of storytelling of, you know, my, my, my life in the business and, and growing up around my family. And so we're kind of using the show of, of sort of being all encompassing of all the different things I'm involved with, you know, some storytelling of my past, uh, you know, being an agent, but also to just sort of, uh, documenting, you know, my, my travels and my scouting and, uh, so yeah, check that out. And then you can find me on social media at Matt Babcock 11 uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Well, just so I, you know, uh, Ricky, Derek and myself are close friends and basketball lovers. And we love when guys like you come on. We've had some incredible guests. You're talking from Dr. J to Rick Berry to, to Iceman Gervin to, wow. you know, name anybody. And, and it's been a pleasure to have you on. Oh, oh you better not leave out uh, Milwaukee Buck because when your uh, battery was acting up, uh, Matt is like you. He mentioned the Buck. So we got to give uh, Ricky, we got to at least give a shout to Ricky and Dale Ellis. And, and, and Jack yeah, Sigma and City yeah, Mark Riven. Yeah. <laughs> you guys right there. No, hey, Matt, but, but before you go, uh, a couple of uh, maybe sleepers that you like that maybe not getting a lot of love. Is there anybody that kind of you think could surprise some people? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some guys that, that already have. So so I'm a part of uh, Damian Lillard's Formula Zero. Uh, it's it, we, we had our first camp this past summer in Portland, but Shade it's so much sharp. more than that. <laughs> it's so much more than that. It's uh, they set up to be like a community, and so we we keep in touch, and so it's like top twenty high school players, top uh, you know twenty college players as counselors, and we have Zoom calls once a month, and it's really you know the the the, the slogan for the the uh, the group is uh, hard work, character, uh, character uh, accountability, and so um, a couple of guys that we had there that are, are you know upperclassmen college kids have come back. And they are killing it. Terrence Shannon, Illinois transfer from Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. He's been un unbelievable the first part of the season. And then Jalen Wilson from Kansas. Bo both of these guys, and obviously I'm pumping up my guys because they're Formula Zero uh, players, but <laughs> they, they've earned me talking about them. They, they've, they've done things the hard way. You know, they weren't one and dones. They've, they've kind of paid their dues, gotten better. And, and I think they're going to start getting a lot of attention. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jayhawk, so oh, there you go. You know, and and he is stepping in where Ojabaji left off last year, and right. really filling that role. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was at that. Well, I was at the State Farm Champions Classic, and you know, he, he wasn't hitting shots from outside, 
but he was doing everything else. His body looks great. He's playing hard. He's rebounding. He's defending everybody. He's versatile. You know, I, I think he's going to fit the NBA game well. Matt, I've kind of become a, a Jayhawk fan somewhat uh, because I have – well, there's a Gervin on the football team. That's so, right. That's right. <laughs> so I've kind of been converted. Hey, Matt, yeah. can I say this clearly because I know we got to get off the air, and I mean this sincerely. I know you're a young man, and there are a lot more things you want to accomplish in this world. And I'm going to tell you this sincerely. I'm wishing you well on all your future endeavors, my man. I think you, you might be one of those guys out there that's a, a gift to the game of basketball and uh, continue to send the basketball on the upward spiral. So I want to wish you well on all your, on your future. And I mean that sincerely. You're that, doing that it the so right much. way. I mean, all you guys, I re- really appreciate you. Uh, this has been this has been great. I'd love to come on again. I hope I hope yeah, I, uh, Pat, 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 guys first time. Uh, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely be calling on you. Well, we're gonna get out of here for Matt Babcock, Big Mo, Paul Mokeski, Derek Gervin, I'm Ricky Hampton. Peace, everybody. I love you guys. Hey, happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Guys. everybody. Stay safe. Next week. Everybody, stay safe. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.